Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. It's Christmas! And before I get stuck into a normal show, I wanted to kick off with a festive treat from goddammit Jeremiah, who are probably the funnest. Funnest? That's not a word. They're a lot of fun live, we love them, and this is their Christmas number. Let's give Christmas a miss. Guys, Rock Pop Rambles Christmas Special. This is our final episode of the year, which marks the end of season season one. Because I realised that I have actually been calling this season one. So, uh, so yeah, logically it should have an end. But don't shed tear because we will be back in January for season two. Uh, basically, we're taking a week off 
for Christmas. We'll all be with our families and not sort of really working. So, yeah, we're taking it off. So this is episode 40, 40 weeks of recording this podcast. Didn't think we'd actually uh, keep it up, but we have. Uh, So thank you to everyone who's been listening. And like I say, this is our Christmas special, and I'm your host, Angela Martin, from the band Bug Eye. And who, pray tell, is my co-host this week? Is it Kerry? Hey Or is it Paula? It is. Or is it Gracie Two Keys? Or is it all of them? Hey. <laughs> yeah, we're all here as a band for once. For once, we're all together. Ah, uh, this is nice. It is. It's, it's, it's pleasant. It's also the first time I've seen you in about five weeks. I know. I actually have no idea when the last time was we all saw each other. I'm st- I was starting to think that I was just imagining that there were four of us and it's just that I was probably a bit insane and just imagining that people were coming over to the podcast. We're all just your imaginary friends. Yeah, it's all about me, yeah. I mean, yeah, sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> but just to give a heads up to people who are listening to the show who perhaps don't know what we all do in Bug Eye. So we've got Kerry who plays drums, Paula plays bass, she's the smallest, tiniest little bass player you'll ever see. And you've got size. Grace, who, um, I don't know, it's like she's overcompensating for something. She's got, like, the biggest keyboards yeah. in the world, and two of them. Ego problems. Yeah, there you go. I, still, <laughs> I still think you need those kind of right-angle keyboards where you can have them double-stacked. Yeah. That's got to be the life Or dream. one of those 360 ones. Have you seen them? No. Where I can just spin around. Yeah, that's what you need. <laughs> that yeah. would be brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Flash. Oh, yeah. Oh, mate. <laughs> You need, need you need your own disco lights. Yeah, I do. Have you noticed every gig I get closer to the front? <laughs> That's not an accident, guys. She's edging I'm working in. my way. To <laughs> She's edging in. <laughs> She's going to be on one of these little podium things that lifts <laughs> yeah. up with smoke coming out the bottom and it's like, she's going, ding, for one key that she presses. <laughs> I'm joking. Two keys, thank Two you. Keys. Two keys. One on each keyboard. <laughs> Sometimes simultaneously. <laughs> Different sound effect on each, just so you know, she's playing too. Yes, thank you. And uh, I, I play guitar and sing, and that's Bug Eye, really. But yeah, no, it's great to have you all over. It's very exciting. I really miss exciting. you guys. I know. I miss you all as well. Hopefully we can rehearse again in the new year. Oh, Paula, don't cry. <laughs> don't cry. Well, we've got an action-packed show for you this evening. We're going to be talking about... Um, I don't know, is it some of our favourite Christmas songs or were they just songs that were suggested by people on Twitter and Facebook when so, we asked? Yeah, a bit, of, a bit of both, really, Next I think. Bag. A bit of both. But, yeah, so we're going to be talking about um, our favourite Christmas songs but with some stories behind them. It's not just us saying, oh, I really like this song. It's great. It has bells in it. No, there's, there's, there's some <laughs> oh, stories. Okay. Wait, I might have misunderstood what we were doing. <laughs> <laughs> no, there are some stories behind it. But also we've got a lot of new music for you to play, but it's all Christmas songs by independent artists. So loads of stuff to stick around with. And I have had to do, I mean, this sounds a lot better than it is. It's a scrappy bit of paper that I've written with some kind of running order because I just think we just get lost. Which was written about five minutes. It was. It was like, quick, quick, we've got to get started. Right. Okay, so we've, we're have we basically turn-taking in this, otherwise we will never get this done. So I guess first up is Paula, who's going to tell you about... Dun, 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 dun. I'm going to talk about Christmas wrapping by The Waitresses. Ah. ah. And this was suggested by Sarah Lay on social media. It is also one of the few Christmas songs that I probably really like. I mean, 
I'm a little bit of a mizog when it comes to Christmas music. Probably spent too yep. many, yeah, get granted. <laughs> <laughs> and that's coming from someone that loves Christmas music. Yeah, um, yes. I'm, uh, I'm thinking of all the all the car rides on tour where Christmas songs randomly come on from uh, Angela's playlist. In June, throughout the year, uh, Paula wakes up from her inevitable nap just to be angry about it. <laughs> I mean, genuinely, I think I've spent too many years working in retail or like service industries where Christmas music gets blasted from November and you're just like, Jesus Christ, because there's a limited amount of songs, right? And it doesn't matter who covers them. They don't really flip them on their head because they're all to do with tradition. So there, there isn't a limited number, Pooh. I've got, um, Pooh is her, her little pet name. No, there's there's loads. I've got like a two hour playlist, right? And not one of those songs is repeated like a cover version. They're all all uniquely brilliant. Doesn't matter if you've got two hours. How many hours are there from November to the start of January? Oh no, but I'm saying it's in <laughs> two hours on repeat, mate. It's not enough all day every day. That's the short version of the Christmas playlist. Paula, you know, I, I just need to make you a playlist. No. Just no. Like <laughs> I that's, mean, that's I mean, like my room one oh one. That's kind of like waterboard torture for me yeah i mean i feel like you can make her the playlist but it would be a bit of a wasted effort wouldn't it because she's never gonna listen oh to no it. but i'd have fun making it well i mean time. do it do it for yourself by all means all right i want to talk about christmas <laughs> wrapping <laughs> so let's go uh the waitresses they were a band who wrote songs about normal working women with big dreams it was something they thought that was underrepresented in 80s music Prior to Christmas Wrapping, they'd had a previous hit with I Know What Boys Like, which was written by Chris Butler, who also wrote Christmas Wrapping. Um, just basically having a bit of a dig at his local Ohio bar scene. Um, it reached 62 in the charts, despite Island Records not putting any kind of marketing spend behind it. So they were bands that were kind of just writing songs about what they knew. They were quite sort of lo-fi, experimental, not really kind of pop cliche, probably not something you really associate with a Christmas song. However, they were signed to Island Records. Island, after they had this initial sort of semi-popular hit, found them out to one of their subsidiaries called ZE Records, which was sort of a left-field kind of arm of what Island did. Um, Their upcoming album was put on hold by them. However, because they'd signed to this subsidiary arm of Island, they were under obligation to provide a a track for their Christmas album. It was something that all their artists had to do. And their label head seemed to think it was a great irony to have the likes of Alan Vega doing Christmas songs. Oh, sorry, Chris Butler, who wrote, who actually wrote Christmas Wrapping, perceived it as a complete annoyance. He was like, we didn't have the time nor the material and Christmas songs always broke my heart in a lot of ways. So I tended to react to it very negatively. Um, he hated Christmas. <laughs> I mean, I don't hate ah, Christmas. Humbug. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have got on well, Paula. No, I don't hate Christmas. I hate Christmas music. I mean, I get his point of hating some of the things that he talks about. Um, he just hated it due to kind of like family tensions and feuds growing up in Ohio. Um, he's also a self-confessed Scrooge, which I don't personally think I am. You can judge if you want <laughs> when you get your secret Santa later, see what you think. Um, but he also hated the false jolliness of it. And I think that's a big part of what I hate about Christmas music. And I understand that's why people like it, but... It all just seems a little bit fake and a little bit too plastic and a little bit too sort of commercialised. For me personally, that's what I dislike about Christmas music. However, so anyway, he went ahead because he had to. He wrote this song. Apparently he finished writing it in the back of a cab in New York somewhere. 
they knocked it out in a studio in like a day or two and they just went back on tour. So that winter, he was out on tour somewhere, my research doesn't really tell me <laughs> where, where he called his girlfriend and his girlfriend's like, oh my God, your song's on the radio. And he's like, wow, thinking it's I know what boy is like. And he's like, wow, we've been spending like nine months grafting, touring, plugging this song. And she's like, nah, it's your Christmas song. <laughs> and this is a guy that hates Christmas, found it really annoying to have to write this song and was just like, okay, fine. But as we know, it went on to become a massive hit. We all know it. I personally actually like it. Now, can you sing it? Go on. Oh, Go on. Just, the, just the main bit. The main, the main bit. The bit we all know. Well, I'm getting nervous now. <laughs> <laughs> Because when you said Christmas wrapping, I was like, what what song's that? Oh, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, but I think I skipped this one this year. It's good. Nailed it. It's good. Oh, thanks, love. You're welcome. (laughs) That's your compliment for the year. Merry Christmas. (laughs) Is is that for 2021? Mm, I mean, have I given you a compliment this year? (laughs) Probably not. (laughs) Few and far between. I mean, like, but... The problem with this song was it was such a big hit and was so not really what Chris Butler wanted the band to be about. He said he hates pop pop fluff. And I wouldn't call it pop fluff. I think it's pop genius, to be honest. And, like, ultimately he wanted to be in this kind of sort of lo-fi, super cool, edgy band, which really wasn't what this song was about. But this was a song that they kind of became to be known for. He says in, like, retrospects that he really wished he enjoyed the time. If he knew that the band was going to break up, he probably would have just taken a little bit more from what there was there um patty donahue who was the lead singer she went on she carried on the band as the waitresses with patty donahue um before going to a&r while chris butler reverted to like a more sort of experimental band type it's been covered by loads of people it's been covered by kylie minogue and iggy pop which i really? didn't know about. really i didn't yeah. know that it's been covered by the cast of wicked's the cast of Glee, and it's been covered by the Spice Girls, who, when they covered it, referenced Tesco's in it. It's about how, you know, this woman's like sort of had enough of Christmas, she can't be bothered, she's sticking a turkey in the oven for one, she realises she's got cranberry sauce, she goes to a store and meets a guy that she was supposed to have gone on a date with six months ago, and they agree to go on a date then. So, like, instead of going to the store, the woman, when the Spice Girls covered it, went to Tesco's. <laughs> oh, and they got paid to put that in. Sorry, I'm so cynical. <laughs> Says the Christmas lover. Yeah, so that's Christmas wrapping by the waitresses. Yay! Thank you, Sarah Lay. Right, Kerry, what have you got for us? Right, so I'm going to start off with what is actually one of my favourite Christmas songs, um, I think, which is Stop the Cavalry by Jonah Louie. A superb choice. Yeah, look at this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'm Fans all round. Fans yeah. all round. Yeah. Thumbs up on that one. Hundred um, percent. So yeah, so it came out in 1980. Uh, it was written and performed by Jonah Louie. Um, it was actually never intended to be a Christmas song. Don't really? Know if you knew that? It was never. No, well, when he that. wrote it, at least, um, it wasn't intended to be a Christmas song. It was actually a protest song. So um, the song initially focuses on the sol- Well, was initially focused on the soldiers of the Crimean War and the charge of the Light Brigade. Um, and originally he'd penciled um, Stop the Gallantry as the lyric. Um, But he sort of ended up expanding the song to include sort of like all wars and all soldiers um, and even references nuclear fallout in it. 
This is so jolly. Yeah, so it's, it's pretty dark. Um, you know, he was basically imagining traumatised soldiers having to follow the orders of the higher-ups and making the charge, often not to come back. Um, and it was very much an anti-war song, basically. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, so in the opening line, he mentions Winston Churchill, explaining, um, I just imagined a tired private who was fed up with Churchill forever trying to gee up the troops who would be shot if they deserted. Um, So he imagined a soldier standing for prime minister and saying, if I get elected, I will stop the cavalry. Um, So it became a Christmas song when the record company basically picked up on one line in the song, which is, I wish I was home for Christmas. Wish I was at home for for Christmas. Christmas. Exactly, right? So they heard that song um, and basically, you know, saw a marketing opportunity to to make it a Christmas song. Wankers, but well done. So at that point, um, the Salvation Army brass band were recruited to play the main melody. Um, so, you know, the... Yeah. So that was the Salvation Army brass band. Who was playing it previously? Uh, I'm not sure what that melody was on previously, but the idea to put it on brass band was basically to help make it sound more Christmassy. Christmassy. And they chucked some tubular bell in there and stuff yeah. like that. Never had um, enough tubular bell. Well, I was, I was going to say, is there a version out there that... Um, is like the original that that's stripped back that doesn't have any of that Christmas sparkle in it because like everything in that song music it sounds like Christmas you hear it and it sounds like Christmas yeah uh, I don't know to be honest with you that's an in- I hadn't thought of that that's an interesting whether there's like a demo out there somewhere right of like yeah, how it was originally intended I'm not sure so yeah so I don't know what would have happened if it had been released you know sort of not as a Christmas song but it peaked at number three in the UK singles chart in December uh on december 20th um i suppose of 1980 my notes are confusing that um it was beaten by two reissued john lennon songs um which charted in the wake of his murder earlier that month um and uh louis has said that the royalties that um he's received from the song account for about 50 percent of his income so he he makes more from this song than he makes from the rest of his catalog combined um To be fair, it gets rolled out every Christmas well, exactly, everywhere, right? doesn't it? I mean, yeah. one Christmas hit, woohoo. I say, it's just it's, you hear it and it sounds like Christmas. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's like Beth Beth loves it when it comes on. I mean, last year, that was the only, she knows it, she goes play Christmas and that's yeah. the song that you have to play. I've listened to it so many times. Really? And you still love it? Yeah. It is a Christmas song, it is a banger, it? yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then here, here's my bonus Jonah Louis fact. Go for do you it. Know, do you know what his real name is? Kerry Smith. <laughs> it's me. No. Uh, Anton. Any 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 more for any more? Any other guesses? Anton? Why not? As good as any <laughs> other name, isn't it? I obviously uh, don't know the so answer. Jo- Jonah Louis' real name is John Lewis. Oh! Oh, <laughs> oh, John Lewis, though, Paula, be thankful that you didn't work there because they opened their Christmas store in August. Fuck my life. Can you imagine that? Um, so yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna link nicely into my new music uh, pick for today. My uh, Christmas song um, is "Stop the COVID, Please," uh, which is by one of my very good friends from school, um, Vicky, and her fiance Joe. Um, and it's basically sort of a parody of "Stop the Cavalry." Mm-hmm. So they've taken the song, they've changed the lyrics. Um, and yeah, we're going to have a listen to it. So this is Stop the COVID, Please by Vicky and Joe. Stop 
Mr Johnson comes on our screen Oh no, not another lockdown please It's been very hard staying far apart from ones we love and our families Oh I say it's tough, we have had enough Can we stop the Covid please? Stop the Covid Please by Vicky and Joe. Um, so they kind of put the song and video together mainly um, as sort of a Christmas present for Vicky's granddad because it's his favourite Christmas song. But then they thought they'd share it um, with everyone kind of with the hopes of cheering people up. And then it's kind of picked up quite a lot of steam um, on Facebook with having over um, 30,000 views now, I think. That's amazing. Yeah, so um, it's really, really cool. Um, and so they thought they'd, you know, put it on iTunes and Amazon and Spotify um, and see if they could raise some money um, for Endometriosis UK. So you may or may not be aware of what endometriosis is. Um, so it's when cells similar to those that lie in the womb grow in other parts of the body, fallopian tubes, ovaries, or even the lungs. Um, and it causes life-altering side effects, um, like incredibly heavy periods, pelvic pain, pain during or after sex, um, pain going to the toilet, and fertility issues. Um, and it affects up to one in ten people who menstruate. Um, and currently, it takes an average of seven years to get diagnosed. That's horrific. It's absolutely horrific, isn't it? I mean, it's so common. So what? Why? Why is it taking like that long? To it took Celia people? eleven years to get her diagnosis. Eleven years. Yeah. I was going to say, I'm pretty sure we all know people yeah. um, who suffer with it. It's um, a chronic pain condition. It's like exactly, and it just isn't taken very seriously, um, and especially. Yeah, people just aren't aware enough about it. Well, doctors have have a fantastic solution because um, an ex of mine suffers from this and was yeah. told um, if you have a baby, uh, yes, it will Celia was told things. that. What kind of remedy? <laughs> like, 
creates a whole load of other problems. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine a doctor giving that advice to a man about a problem? No, of course not. No. Just... Well, women's pain is minimised, isn't it? It's like it's it's like that you go in and say, oh, "I'm in pain." It's like, "Well, yeah, you're on your period. You're supposed to be in pain." Yeah, Do you know what just, I mean? It's... You're just not taken seriously. No. So yeah, so basically, you know, the more awareness there is about it, um, the more people are going to, you know, be able to seek help sooner, um, and hopefully, you know, have to suffer a lot less. Basically, um, you know, it's not something that we should just people should have to get on with. You know, they should have solutions. Um, so yeah, so basically, you know, they're just hoping with this song to raise a bit of awareness, raise a bit of money, help out, um, endometriosis UK. So, you know, if anybody can spare a few pennies and it is literally a few pennies to just go download the song or to just, you know, stream it as many times as possible on Spotify, (laughs) put it on mute, put it on repeat, um, every little helps, you know? Um, and, uh, yeah, I just think it's such a fun song and video as well. It definitely brightened my day when I saw it. Good choice. Good one to start the show off with. Yeah, nice one. Nice one, Keza. Yeah, thanks for bringing that one in. Cool. So we'll put details of that in the show notes as well, and we'll also be tweeting and putting it across our social media. So don't worry if you can't find it right now and you're listening to the show. It just go to our social channels, which is Bug Eye Band on Twitter, Bug Eye Music on Facebook, or also do they have social media handles? For, for their stuff not really actually because no. um yeah it's just sort of something that they've done you know for fun they're doing more and more things so i reckon they will at some point um well, but for now we'll definitely put the links for um you know amazon itunes to buy it and for the for to play it on spotify as well yeah well we'll make cool. sure we share the hell out of it so everyone knows where to find this stuff yeah definitely cool so next on my list for new songs i think gracie it's your turn what have you it got? is what indeed have you got? right so i'm gonna do an oldie um, good oldie. A good old oldie. Classic, yeah, classic. <laughs> Get the classic. classics out too, so, This is Santa Claus is Coming to Town. Which version? Wow. There are lots of versions of this. I'm pretty sure everyone likes this one, right? Santa Claus no. is Coming to Town. No, Paul just no. giving me a big cross. No, you don't like it? No. <sighs> That's on the art list for Christmas. I mean, to be fair, I would say 80% of Christmas songs are on the art list. It's not... It's not top 10, but it's sitting in the 10 to 20s. All right, fair enough. I'm happy with that. Uh, so, I'm written... praising you all, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm judging. So, are you this keeping is... note? Are you going to tell us who wins at the end? Uh, yeah. No. 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 So I won't the... forget it. Sorry, Chris. You're all right. <laughs> you can start now, Chris. I'm going to start now. Thank you. <laughs> so, this was written in 1933 by uh, Haven Gillespie. Um, who that was the lyricist and apparently he wrote the lyrics in 15 minutes Ooh, pretty much the same thing over and over again there's gonna be a bit of a 15 minute theme yeah, i'm gonna come say. back to 15 I minutes think, later. yeah there's there's a lot a lot of these songs were written very quickly and i think maybe a lot of songs would be better if people didn't overthink them as much i just really? think it's fuck all you can really say about christmas christmas oh, is christmas <laughs> It Paula. is what it is. <laughs> it's Santa, it's snow, it's angels, All right, it's stars. Okay, if we manage to write a hit song that's a fucking Christmas song, you will soon change your tune. Like, well, if genius they, If they can do, like, if, they can, hell, if they can knock that out in 15 minutes, imagine what we could do with half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Paula hates every song that we write at, the, at first, so it's not going to make yeah, any difference true. if it's a Christmas song. I think true. that's a harsh judgment upon my character, Kerry. <laughs> <laughs> This is a season of goodwill to all men and women. 
Let's let Gracie speak. Right, go for it, Gracie. So, 15 minutes on the lyrics, and then J. Fred Coots wrote the music, and apparently he took 10 minutes. So, thought 15 minutes Bashing was impressive. 15, uh, 10 minutes on the music, and apparently it was written on the New York subway whilst travelling to a music publisher's office. Wow. But they had a lot of trouble selling it. No one wanted it. It was rejected by their publisher and lots of other publishers because everyone thought it just sounded too much like a kid's song and that it, and it would never... Well, it is a kid's song. Yeah. I bet they're all kicking themselves yeah, now. Yeah, I bet they would get that, don't they? <laughs> How eh? many years later are we now? <laughs> <laughs> so it was actually then given to a comedian to perform on his radio show. His name's Eddie Cantor. I'd never heard of him before. An American comedian. Um, and it was performed on his radio show in 1934. And even he thought the song was too juvenile and he had to be persuaded by his wife to give it a go. Mm -hmm. So he gave it a go. And within 24 hours, I love this. It was not like so many records were sold, but 100,000 copies of sheet music were purchased. A hundred thousand copies of sheet music within 24 hours. And then by Christmas, actually, I'm not sure when in 1934 it was released, but by Christmas, like 300,000 copies had sold. Of sheet music? Apparently that's a lot of sheet music for back in the day. Well, this is back in the day, though, when that's what people would still do, where people would buy sheet music and then, you know, everyone would gather around the piano and play it and sing it together at home. No, I get it, but it just seems super cute. It's, it's super it cute. It is very cute, isn't it? I love it. Do you know what I saw today, guys? Just a story on the side. The church near my house, because you can't have like any services inside, they bought the piano outside and there were like oh, groups of little people lovely. standing that's around really singing. That that's is really cute, sweet. isn't it? How little were I love they? That. Normal size, but you know, <laughs> small groups of people, less than six. <laughs> Sorry, Gracie, continue. No, you're fine, you're fine. So it's obviously one of the highest earning holiday songs of all time. It's the classic. Um, but Coots, that was the uh, the guy who wrote the music, he transferred his copyright to a music publisher in 1981, a few years before his death, and he agreed to $100,000 for the rights. Mm-hmm. But then in 2016, his family won them back and they've been valued now at, go on, have a guess. It's in dollars, this is. So he sold them for 100000 No, he agreed to, yeah, sold them for 100000 They won them back and now they're worth. 64 billion. <laughs> I reckon 7 million. It's less than that. $3 million. I was about to say that, Grace, but you jumped in before. Oh, me. oh was she, Kerry? No, I'm lying. <laughs> She's full of air. Um, so the Crystals sang it on the 1963 album, A Christmas Gift for You. And who produced that? Angela. Yeah, I thought I'd throw that one in. Yeah. It's good. It's a good song. It is. It's a really good song. So, it, yeah, the Crystals sang it on that uh, Phil Spector album. You, I've got a little fact for you about that album, if anyone's interested. Go on then. Do you, or do you, do you know anything about I, this? I do indeed. But do you know you what I'm going to say? It. I think I know. So it was released on the same day that JFK was shot yep. and killed. And they really thought it was going to be like this huge smash hit. And obviously that just sunk it and it, it, it sort yeah. of flopped as an album, basically. Yep. Very good, Angela. Well done. Good knowledge. Gold star there. So, yeah, that was pretty much all I had for um, for that one. It's been covered by so many people. Bing Crosby, Frank Sinatra, Four Seasons. Didn't they have a hit? I think they had a pretty big hit with that. I think they had the biggest hit out of everyone who's covered it, maybe. The Jackson 5? I feel like, I feel like yeah, the Jackson 5 the Jackson is, the one, is the one I know. Was it? Yeah, yeah I think uh, it was because they, they, did, they did a lot of songs like Mummy Kissing Santa Claus and yeah, they did Rudolph, loads, didn't and, they? Yeah, on their Christmas album that they Alice did. Cooper. 
Alice Cooper. Yeah, Justin oh, Bieber. Whack. He's done one, of course he has. Bill oh, Biebs. Yeah. Bill Biebster. Um, Jesse J. Bruce Springsteen. That apparently his version is the most downloaded and most played on radio stations every year, I think. Really? Really? Yeah. I've never heard well, that, it. I don't think I've ever heard it. Have you not? No. I'm really I'm really surprised at that. I, I thought mean, to be fair, you'd probably hear the song rather than hear the person singing it, wouldn't yeah, you? Yeah, that's true. Unless when it's the Jackson it. 5 version for me, yeah. then you instantly know it. But otherwise, personally, my brain just tries to block it out. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Santa Claus is coming to town. Nice oh, good one. Good one. Right, well, I've got an absolute gem of a song. Um, and I, Paula, mm-hmm. if you say you don't like this, you will get the look. Because, come on, everyone loves this song. So I'm going to talk about Wham's Last Christmas. Oh, this oh, is... 10 out of 10 classic. You like it? Yeah. Oh, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. But did you know the song has very little to do with Christmas? Um, it was mainly written about a failed relationship and coming face-to-face with them a year later. But it does have the phrase, obviously, Last Christmas in, in there, so it makes it a Christmas song. But... Um, but the, the intention was for it to talk about something quite personal. But also Actually, that classic video I was going to say the video sets it in Christmas, doesn't it's, it? Yeah. It's, yeah, it's incredible. 80s I'm, Christmas land. <laughs> I will definitely, definitely share that video. And there's some amazing photos that they did around the shoot of them in these yeah. little shorts and stuff. It's just, it's, it's so 80s, it's wow. Um, so the song idea came about when George Michael was visiting his parents. They were sitting together in the front room watching TV and then George disappeared upstairs for about an hour or two. And when he came back downstairs, he was dead excited by what he'd written. Um, and Andrew, his um, partner, bandmate, um, he was there also. And uh, so George took him upstairs and they went to this old room that they'd spent so many hours as kids recording sort of pastiche radio shows and jingles. Um, but it was a room where George had always kept like a keyboard and some stuff in case he sort of was sparked by inspiration when he visited his parents um, to write something. So George played um, Andrew the kind of introduction bit of it and did the wistful sort of chorus melody to last Christmas and um basically he was completely blown away it's like we have to record this and get this out um so that's exactly what they did do and it formed a sort of double a side with the song everything she wants um yeah so the 80s were absolutely epic for the decade of Christmas number ones right there were so many great Christmas songs that were written during that time and George had a bit of a fierce battle on his hands. Um, So he was pipped against Frankie Goes to Hollywood, The Power of Love. And then Bob Geldof's Band-Aid Christmas song came out at the same time. Do their next Christmas. Yeah. So was that that not number one for Christmas? I'm going to come to it. So what I said was, you know, it's a race, it's a battle, it's a battle. All three of those songs, which one's going to get to number one? The intrigue. And it was actually the latter. So it was Bob Geldof's um, Do They Know It's Christmas that kind of grabbed the top spot. And Wham! peaked at number two, uh, which is only, it's never had a number one. Mm -hmm. Um, Even though it's such an incredibly famous song, it's never had a number one. Um, But Wham! decided to donate all of their um, sort of last Christmas and everything she wants royalties to the same Ethiopian famine charity as, as Geldof. So both of those records, all of the money went to to charity, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, and But did you know that last Christmas is the biggest selling single in UK chart history to not reach number one? Oh, that's interesting. 
Yeah, thank you. I'm glad you liked yeah, that. Yeah, I like that one. Gross. So I'm nearly, I'm nearly finished with this. So. <laughs> also, the old two keys getting I love in there. That. But also, did you know? That's my mum Christmas at us. Is it really that little yeah, fact? Doesn't take much. I love, does it? I love those little facts. I've got loads those of little numbers out the sea for Christmas. <laughs> so also, did you know that George Michael wrote, performed, produced, and played every single instrument on that track? Seriously? Yep. He used a Lin 9000 drum machine, a Roland Juno 60 synth, and he, and he played sleigh bells. Um, and they began recording the song in the summer of 1984 to be released that, that Christmas. That I did not know. Did yeah. he die on Christmas Day too? I don't know. No, I thought he died on like Boxing Day. I don't know. I'm pretty sure it's Christmas. Was it technically Boxing Day? Getting up, Google. Get Google up. Oh, I don't know. But according to the music industry, at last count, how many cover versions have there been of that song? Oh, oh God. 167. Right. Kerry, what's your guess? I'm, I'm Googling when he died. He died on Christmas Day. Yeah, oh, he did he die did. on Christmas yeah. Day. That's so Ooh. sad. What was the question? <laughs> the question was, how many people do you think have covered... How many cover versions have there been of this song? Paula said 167. 52. Uh, eighty-three. You're all wrong. Over four hundred. Oh, they don't. They don't know the exact number, so they they list it as four hundred plus. And but um, lads, let's think about it. Every college band at Christmas probably covers it. But what what classes is a cover like? Like an actual release. An actual release. Oh, yes. Yeah. All right. Well. So it's, it's not like we could hum it now, and that's not classed <laughs> as a cover, really. There you go. You like that song? We'll just make you a playlist of all of the four hundred odd covers. <laughs> Uh, and that can be your Christmas listening. And that Cheers, would include Kesa. and that would include a version by Frank Turner, Jimmy World, Taylor Swift, and Ariana Grande. Mm-hmm. There I've you heard go. None of them. I've I mean, no, I heard well, those I've artists, heard... just not the version. The version. Of the song. No, no, mate. <laughs> uh, I live under a rock. Um, no, I, no. I mean, I, I listened to them today. All four hundred. No, I didn't. I listened to those ones that I listed today, and uh, they're all really different, and they're all actually really cool. But the original is still the best. Yeah, so that was Wham with Last Christmas. Well done, Angela. Very really? good. That was. Thank you. Really and nice. I didn't, I didn't, you know, I didn't go off too, too much on a ramble about that. So now I'm proud yeah, of myself. Very concise. Cool. Yes. Have you got some new music that? for us, Angela? I have. Mm. And now I've lost. No, I found out. I was going to say my running order with all the lists of things. I've lost it. I haven't. Uh, we love this group, this duo. We've played them a couple of times and one of the members' solo stuff. I'm going to play Feral 5, I Want You. i 
So that was Feral 5 with I Want You. I absolutely love them. Their output is incredible. It's so, like, sort of symphastic brilliance. Like, just the the amount that they managed to to write and the creativity with with that duo is is amazing. Yeah, love them. They're definitely band favourites, aren't they, for all well, of us, I think. I, I think so, yeah. I mean, that, that song's definitely making it onto my, my two hours, which is going to be over two hours now. It's going to be on that Christmas list. Christmas list? Christmas playlist. I very much look forward to listening to that song and maybe that song alone. Well, <laughs> well the thing is, as you know, I just put everything on rum, r- Rumble? Random. Shuffle, rumble. even. <laughs> That's the word. <laughs> God, pop it on Rumble. I feel like I now want it to be called Rumble. Let's get rid of Rumble. Between us, let's just rename it Rumble. Stick the Spotify on the old Rumble and crack on, lads. My point is, this song's going to end up being played throughout the year in the car. I'm down with that. That song's banging. All good with me. Cool. All right, so we're cracking on with our theme for the show, which is Christmas. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Sparkle. Um, anyway, we're cracking on with um, tales of songs about Christmas. So, um, Kerry, I think you're up next. Yeah, I'm going to go from... I started off talking about one of my favourites. I'm now going to talk about one of my least favourites, which I believe Paula is going to probably join me in feeling the same way. What's, what's it called? What's it called? So I'm going to talk about mistletoe and wine. Oh, I'm with, I'm with this Paula is on this. This is an awful <laughs> this song. This is the worst Christmas we're, song and, ever. And no. one of the reasons I'm talking about it is that we're not the only ones that feel that way. So... <laughs> Uh, it was released in 1988. Uh, the song was actually originally written by Keith Strachan, Leslie Stewart and Jeremy Paul for their 1976 musical Scraps. And uh, it was a, so that was a modernised version of Hans Christian Andersen's The Little Match Girl set in a world of alcoholism and child prostitution. Cheery then. So ah, delightful. Terrible song, but has quite an interesting little story, like history behind it. So... Keith Strachan said about the the original song. So the story is about a kid who freezes over the Christmas period, who imagines herself in a better world. The sentiment of the song was meant to be that people didn't care about the poor. It's a socialist Christmas song. It was a song about the middle class's lack of concern. So this was what the song was originally. And then Cliff Richard basically replaced the socialism with religious references and turned it into a more sort of traditionally uplifting Christmas song. No, it's not. It's just so boring (laughs) and it's so awful. It represents so much that I hate about Christmas songs. I know. The cheesiness, the hypocrisy. (laughs) Oh, I'm raging over here. (laughs) Seething she is. (laughs) Started something. I've started something with this one. Um, So apparently Leslie Stewart, who was one of the writers, um, hated Cliff Richard's version um, and found the lyrics offensive um, because like the, he wasn't a practicing Christian. Um, although it seems that he might have mellowed slightly since then, because he later said, once I heard it on a car radio a few years later, I thought, this is okay. <laughs> Which might have something to do, though, with the fact that the song sold more than 750,000 copies. Um, and it was uh, Cliff Richard's first number one of the decade in the 80s um, and the country's biggest selling song of 1988. Um, and it spent four weeks at number one over Christmas. That must have been a shocking year for music, seriously. <laughs> if that was that was the best, that was the what queen shit of the Christmas. So did you know? Did you know that in 2013, Costa Coffee banned the song from being played in its shops over the Christmas period? Fair Amazing. Play. Well fair done. Play. The reason being, so shit coffee, but they, fair play. So basically, they did a poll. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously. <laughs> 
Well, we're not getting endorsed by Costa anytime soon. Um, <laughs> so uh, basically, they did a poll um, to have people vote for the most hated song, and that was the winner. So we are not the only ones that feel that way. Do you want to know what the top ten were? I've got yeah, the top yeah, 10. please, please do. Top ten most hated Christmas songs. Or do from... we? Or do we guess? Do we, can we have a guess of what a, a song? Right, go, on. go on, have a guess each. I reckon. I reckon driving home for Christmas is one on no. there. No, <gasps> is all I want for Christmas and you in there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've got Christmas is you, isn't there? I oh, love that song. Oh, yeah. I really hate. What's your guess? Santa Claus coming to town. No. Okay, so okay. from 10 down to 1. So, number 10, Wonderful Christmas by Paul McCartney. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, that's simply having that's a, a wonderful one. Christmas. Oh, yeah, that, yeah, that can do one. Oh, yeah. no. We've upset Angela now. What about War is Over? That's, oh, no. that annoys me. Oh, so, I like that. Number nine, Merry Christmas Baby by Mae West. I don't, I don't know. know. I'm not even sure what that one is. I'm sure we would and if we had it. And for a second, it. I thought you said Rose West. I was about to say that. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Number eight, Do They Know It's Christmas, Band-Aid. Yeah, that, to be fair... Because I think it's just it overplayed. Is, it, yeah, to to be, it. it's really... They're all overplayed, lads. That's the problem. <laughs> Number seven, Christmas time, Don't Let the Bells End by The Darkness. Oh, yeah. To be fair, I hate The Darkness. I fucking hate The Darkness. So that's, I don't uh, even recall that song. That's so one of maybe mine. Maybe it's a good thing. Uh, number six, When a Child is Born, oh, Johnny Mathis. Oh, that Mathis. is so bad. Yeah, I forgot about that one. Num- How does that one go uh, when a child is born? I'm not going to do it. Oh, go on. Go on, no, Gracie. No way. I can't think no how chance. it goes. Uh, uh, it's go so through the bad. list. I'm going to find okay. it. Who's it by? Uh, it's by Johnny Mathis. All right. Okay. Uh, num- number five, All I Want for Christmas is You, Mariah yeah. Carey. Oh, I like that. I, I like that. it too. It's a bit of a guilty pleasure for me. Uh, number four, Little Saint Nick by the Beach Boys. Oh, yeah. That's all right. I quite like that. That's all right. Well, okay. Oh, no, I don't like it. What's, what intro? That's not good, is it? I mean, it it's just, the intro's too long, for one thing. Does it do... Because I can only Skip play... ahead, skip to the end. <laughs> but, so I can only... Oh. Across the land comes a brand new door. Oh, no, we're in a child, but I do that. know this. No, no, this no, comes no. to pass. He's got good hair. He's got really thick hair. Look at that. Oh, he does. He's got solid mane. It's really sort of, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Says Kesa over here. <laughs> right, you ready? Top three. Yeah. Go, go. You're not, you're not going to like this one. Number three, Christmas wrapping by the waitresses. Oh, oh go That was a mistake. People are not a fan. Number two, Blue Christmas, Shaken Stevens. Don't know that one. Again, I feel like I I can't think of it off I the top think, of my yeah. head, but I'm pretty sure I don't like it. And Talk then, really slowly, and then I'll find you know for well, the next I, one. A number one, which we already <laughs> know, is mistletoe, and <laughs> shaking Stevens. Here we go. I wish I was Elvis. <laughs> I like this one. I'm drunk. That's a good drinking song. Disclaimer, I'm half okay, cut. Just, <laughs> anyway, those, those were those were the top ten most hated songs in 2013. Right, well well done on that one, Kez. That was really good. Right. Coming up now, we've got um we've got Miss Paula Snow, not show, snow. Nor slow. With what are you gonna talk about now? Well, I'm going 
forwards, I think. From yeah, forwards from Keza to two thousand and nine. I mean, that's definitely forwards from nineteen eighty eight. Yes. <laughs> so here we are in two thousand and nine, and Radiance Machine took the Christmas number one with their song "Killing in the Name." Love it. I was that was like one of my favourite things that's ever happened. Was this the thing to try and beat the X Factor number yeah, one? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, I remember this. I loved it. Yeah. Do you want to piss oh, on my parade, Gracie? Here. <laughs> Do you want to go again? Do you want to go again? No, you're all right. Oh, don't worry. Should, we, should we edit all of the sounds? Start again. Just for Paul. <laughs> Just for me and my ego. Uh, the 1992 track went to number one 17 years after its release, following a Facebook campaign encouraging people not to buy the X Factor winner's single and therefore stopping it getting to number one, Grace. Who, who was the X Factor? Yeah, my notes don't cover that, so oh. let's just leave that oh, on bait. Come on, let's... <laughs> I'm, 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 trying to, I'm trying to remember because I was so into this when it happened, but I can't remember I know, now. I can't remember either. Carry on, I'll Google. As soon as you say the name, I, it's, I want to say it's George someone. Anyway, until this point, no, because I need your present for this one, lads. So if you want to put the phones down. Joe McKeldery. Oh, well, don't oh. carry. There we go. <laughs> the hell is that what it comes down to is who's got the fastest 4G here we, we would have known who it was but he got beaten by Rage Against the exactly, Machine so no one yeah. remembers it he's not the important one here until this point four X Factor winners had had the number one spot for the Christmas previous if that makes sense and people were fed the fuck up they yes. were but who were these four people and what songs did they sing Will Young Ooh. was it all X Factor people yeah did Leona Lewis no Point for Gracie. She got one, so did, did, she? did Will Young get one? Zero for Angela. Uh, um, I want to say Gareth Gates, but I know that's wrong. No, it's not X Factor. Factor. It's Pop Idol earlier. earlier, earlier They're right all X Factor. But that, oh. I had to say it because it was in my head. I can't <laughs> remember. There was a Steve in X Factor, but I can't remember if he got mm, Christmas number Steve one. Steve was close. Might be other S. Simeon. <laughs> no. It was Shane Ward. Shane oh, Shane Ward! Ward! Oh, yes. oh Shaney boy. Oh, Shaney. It was Leona Lewis. Yeah. Leon Jackson, who I don't remember, and Alexandra Burke. Oh, that's the other one I was thinking of. Anyway, this campaign was launched by John Mortar, a part-time DJ who'd previously tried to derail Alexandra Burke's attempt at getting to number one with Alleluia previous year. Um, he chose at that point to, a cover of Rick Astley's Never Gonna Give You Up. <laughs> which when all else fails give that one a go he's picking the randoms isn't he <laughs> uh, the campaign for the Rage Against the Machine started as a Facebook group that he described as a silly little idea that just makes you have a laugh at home however once the comedian and excuse my pronunciation here Peter Safinovich tweeted about it to his 260,000 plus followers it blew up getting support along the way from Paul McCartney and a previous X Factor winner, Steve Brookstein. Oh, Stevie, Stevie boy. Oh, she knows him. Because <laughs> I ain't got a clue. Oh, by the time Rage Against the Machine went on BBC Radio, obviously being asked to censor the expletives, which obviously didn't happen, the campaign was well underway and the Facebook group numbers were going up by hundreds every couple of seconds. And... The founder, John Morris, just said like it was blowing his mind. He was like, I couldn't believe what was happening. Song itself has been described as an expletive heavy rock song and a righteous slam bam punk hardcore and hip hop track. So it's hardly like, you know, your typical Christmas ditty really, is it? However, um, in taking the title for the Christmas number one in 2009, it set two landmarks, becoming the UK's first download only Christmas number one and also notching up the biggest one week download sales in British chart history at the time. Did uh, did any of you download it as part of that? Oh, yeah. I, I think did. I did, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I did as well. We all did. Love it. What I always think is quite cool about this is Rage Against the Machine donated all the profits to Shelter. 
Yeah. And they raised oh, yeah. over nice. sixty five thousand pounds for it. Amazing. I didn't know that. So That's nice. there you go. Like um bit of a little bit of two fingers to the X Factor there. Yeah. And good. Some Dosh to Shelter. What's well, not to love? Well, well, done. Done. Thank you. Right, new music. You've got a track. I do. What have you got? So next up we are listening to Crystal Furs and their track Drinking Alone on Christmas. That was Crystal Furs with Drinking Alone for Christmas. They are label mates of ours at Reckless Yes, and they're a really great band. So if you've not heard of them, do check them out. 
Yeah, we've been friends with them for for quite a while actually, even before they joined the label. So we've we've been quite sort of you know keeping tabs on what they've been doing. And they had a fantastic album that was put out by Reckless Yes this year. So yeah, definitely definitely check them out. We're moving fast and swiftly through this list, I must say. Um, <laughs> and I've felt that I've done a really good job of not rambling too much, and so things may change now. I was going to say, I'm sure it will change at some point. Well, because I thought my next one's quite short, I've just got some some other little bits. Kerry, don't glare at me like that. Don't is glare it, at is me. Is it a quiz? No, um, <laughs> no I've actually, I've tried to, well, I tried to kind of not have it as a quiz, because I know that if you're not good at something, you feel very upset. We, we established this yesterday, yeah. didn't we? We established this last night, that this is what my issue is. Inferiority complex. Like I don't like not being good at things. I think we can all safely say that that's true for all of us, to some extent. Thanks for backing me up, Grace. I mean, none but of us like being bad at things, do we? It's no. supposed to be fun. It doesn't matter, is the point. I mean, we'll see. But here we go. Here we go. But I'm I'm going to be talking about Nat King Cole's holiday song. Um, but before I get onto that, just because it's it's an old song, I thought I'd theme this little bit about old stuff. Well, about old songs. And the rambling begin. Yes, and it is Christmas stuff. So, what did Robert May consider calling the reindeer instead of Rudolph? Ronald. Well, you don't need Robert. to. He was going to call it Robert after himself. He. It was it was a story about reindeer. It was like a commercial thing. It was like where Rudolph came from. So you don't need to know too much about him. But just what was he going to call the reindeer instead of Rudolph? Right. What were you? What did you say? Well, I guess Robert, but I doubt that's the answer. Based that's on. not right. No. What do you uh, think, Kerry? Graham and Paula Laplander. Oh, I can see what you did there. No, none of you are right. He was going to call it Reginald. Oh, Reginald the reindeer. Quite like that. But then decided that Rudolph was better. I think Rudolph was Reginald better. Reginald the Rose. You can't. Like, How do you see it? Reginald the Red Nose Reindeer. Too many syllables. So I've got another fact for you. So no one knows for sure who wrote the popular Christmas carol, Little Drummer Boy, that was once called Carol of Drums. No idea who wrote it, yeah. So does that mean you can legally perform it and not have to pay any yeah. kind of. Oh. I think so. I think so. So we could do a Christmas cover of Little Drummer Boy. Is, oh. it, is Little Drummer Boy not the one that there's like the David Bowie and... No, people have covered it, but he didn't write it. I've, well, I know, I was just yeah. saying that. Is, I'm just making sure I'm thinking of the right song. Yes, yeah. Little Drum. You can call our cover version Little Drummer Keza. Yes, there we go. That's an idea, isn't it? <laughs> I'm into that. I'm into that. Last one, just because just I thought this was quite interesting. So um, basically, that was a common theme of not knowing who'd written these, these songs. And when I did a little bit of research, it was hinted that it might have been... Um, you know, a, a woman. <laughs> no wonder it was sort of dismissed. That kind of happened a lot, didn't it? Um, anyway, so same goes for the carol, We Wish You a Merry Christmas, which dates back to the 16th century. No one knows who wrote that. Oh. I just had a weird moment where I feel like I haven't thought about that or been aware of that for a really long time. We, that you're we, angry? We, no. <laughs> <laughs> we Wish You a Merry Christmas. Yeah. I feel like I'd sort of forgotten that song existed yeah. until you just said that. And it sort of just, I just had a weird, like a weird feeling come over me when you did said you, that. Did, you feel, like, did it melt your stone heart? No, not like, I don't know. I just had a weird moment of like, I don't know, realisation of like, I felt like, I don't know, don't know what happened. Sorry, carry on. <laughs> <laughs> we touched her spirit, her soul. <laughs> With Christmas. I've got three Christmas facts. Shall I wait till you've done your bit and then I can open Yeah, mine? get launch into them. I'm going to do, I was about to say Nat Cole King, but that's wrong. Nat King Cole, even. So Nat King Cole holiday song, also known as the Christmas song, or also 
known as uh, chestnuts roasting on an open oh, fire. Oh, you two. Yeah. <laughs> Is potentially in the top three. That's a brilliant of ones song. I hate. Oh, oh Paula. <laughs> this is a classic. This oh, is this brilliant. Is, this, is, this is a nice massive, one. Massive, no way, man. Anyway, it came out in 1946. And did you know that um was most famously sung, obviously, by Nat King Cole, and he was the first African-American to record a Christmas song? Very good. Excellent. No, I had good no fact. idea. Good fact. Yeah, yeah. And also, this was um, a song that changed the course of his career because he was predominantly a jazz musician and singer and this sort of changed him to a sort of sentimental standards performer. So it made him much more accessible, basically, to a wider audience. To a whiter Re- audience. Yes, whiter <laughs> and wider. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so the song was actually born on a hot, scorching day in July 1990... No, not, not 1995. <laughs> 1945. Um, when Mel Tomeves showed up at um, the songwriting home of his partner, Bob Wells. So Mel walked in to find um, Wells' home, headed over to his piano where he found a pad of paper with four lines with lyrics written on it, which was like chestnuts roasting on open fire, Jack Frost nipping at your nose, Yuletide carols being sung by a choir and folks dressed up as Eskimos or like Eskimos. Can't read my own notes. Anyway, upon Wells returning, he told Mel he'd written the lyrics because, and as he said, was, it's so damn hot today, I thought I'd write something to cool myself off. All I could think of was Christmas and cold weather. They sat at the piano and finished the song in just 45 minutes. They played it to Cole, he fell in love with the song, and the rest is history. So uh, I've just got one other fact about Nat King Cole. Go I on. mean, I actually want to do his story, so I, it was really difficult to not talk too much about him and just keep it mm-hmm. focused to this one song. But um, Nat King Cole released his The Magic of Christmas album in 1960 and reissued it three years later under the title The Christmas Song. And it was the best-selling Christmas album released in the 1960s. Um, and it continues to sell well even into the 21st century and entered the Billboard's top 100 in the top 10 for the first time in on January the 5th, uh, 2019. So continue to sell incredibly well. So, Paula, a lot of people don't think it's shit. I don't disagree with that fact. My opinions are my own and my own only. <laughs> yeah, so that was that was Nat King Cole holiday song. Good choice. Yay. Thank you. Thank you. Yay. So um Shall I do my three Christmas facts? Go on then. Before I do this. <laughs> well you probably all saw these when you were researching your own songs, but never mind. Right, so Christmas song fact number one. Brenda Lee was only 13 years old when she sang Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree. Really? Yes. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Good fact. Christmas song fact number two. Jingle Bells is 163 years old. It was first published in 1857 under the title One Horse Open Sleigh. I did know that. Yeah. I I didn't know that. And it was reissued two years later under the title Jingle Bells. Wow. Loads of the Christmas songs are really, really old, aren't they? Like you were yeah. saying, the 16th century. Yeah, 16th no. century yeah. for have you, not have yourself a merry little Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> for, for mistletoe wine, yeah, in the 16th century. No, for um, what one was it? It's called, oh, ha, no, I keep going to say have yourself a merry little Christmas. It was, um, what was the one that touched your very core, Kerry? We wish you a merry Christmas. Yeah, that's it. There we go. 
and a happy new year. Christmas song fact number three. The Catholic Church condemned the 1952 song I Saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus because they thought it promoted adultery. They backed <laughs> off after 13-year-old singer Jimmy Boyd explained that Santa is really just the kid's dad. I mean, can we just explain? Can we take a moment here? Santa Claus is also a fictional character. What? Oh, forget I said anything, Gracie. Oh, Paula, it's Timmy. I'm sorry, mate. Paula, destroyer of dreams. Been Timmy all along. That is how my dad broke it to me that Santa wasn't real. I remember I was playing with one of my Christmas presents, and I was like, "Oh, I'm so." So grateful that Santa's bought me this this year because I really wanted it. And Dad looked at me and he went, I'm your Santa. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, oh, yeah, I was right. Oh, I knew something was going on. (laughs) And at this point, he's like, and I want the kudos now. (laughs) Yeah, I take all the credit. (laughs) I want the thank you. I had to be told. So... (laughs) Right, so I'm going to talk about Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. Another old classic. Absolute gem. It is. Um, Favourite version? Ella Fitzgerald? Probably, yeah, I have to say. Yeah, I reckon. It's got to be. Yeah. Her Christmas album. It's a cracker, Paul has just got a Paul face is, that says, yeah. I fucking hate them all. <laughs> so... It was written by songwriters Hugh Martin and Ralph Bain for Judy Garland's 1944 movie. Movie. <laughs> to move me. Movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, movie to uh, movie. Judy Garland's 1944 movie, Meet Me in St. Louis. Um, yeah, it's been recorded by loads of artists. I'm not going to go through them all because there's so many. Um, so the song began with the melody. Um, Hugh Martin found a madrigal-like tune that he liked, but he couldn't quite make it work. So he literally, he, well, he played with it for a bit and then he literally threw it away because he thought it was useless. And then his songwriting partner, Ralph Bain, heard it and said, it's too good to throw away. So they literally dug around in the bin to try and find it. And they found it, obviously. And then they started working on the words. Um, But the first draft, when it was given to Judy Garland, she asked for a revision. She completely flat out refused to sing it because she said, if I sing that, little Margaret, which was an actress in the film at the time, she will cry and think I'm a monster because it was so sad, the version of the song that they'd written. Um, And then the film producers agreed with her and said, look, it's a sad scene, but we want an upbeat song, which will make it, like the upbeat song will make it sadder if she's kind of like smiling through the tears. I haven't actually seen this film. No, neither have you. No. Um, it's one to watch, I think, because um, probably this will make a lot more sense if you see the film. Um, so then they came up with a, a, a new version, which is the one from the movie, which is the one that we um, all know. Um, but yeah, apparently the writers really argued with Judy Garland about it. Hugh Martin said to her, these were apparently his exact words. I'm sorry you don't like it, Judy, but that's the way it is. And I don't really want to write a new lyric. When then someone had to take him to one side and be like, look, mate, this is this is Judy Garland here. <laughs> sort it out. <laughs> if she says she wants it revised, then uh, you I revise it. <laughs> so, yeah, that's the story behind uh, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. Now, I was listening to some versions of this earlier because there's so many of them. Obviously, I couldn't work my way through all of them. But... There's a version by a band called Twisted Sister. 
Have yeah. you heard of these? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Have you heard this one? I've not heard the version, but I know Twisted Sister. So that, that it's a it's a really it's one of the strangest Christmas songs I've heard. It starts like acoustic, and then halfway through, someone comes in. It's like this ain't Twisted Sister, and then suddenly it goes all heavy and weird, and like just completely different to the original. So yeah, check that one out. Cool. There we go. Uh, So new music uh, this week, a band called All Ashore in front of the gas fire. So here we are. So that was In Front of the Gas Fire by All Ashore. They are an indie pop band from Sheffield. Bit of a Mouldy Peaches vibe going on. Yeah, yeah, I got that. Yeah, really good. Kimmy Gordon type vibe, yeah. Yeah, they look really fun. A little bit of uh, some ukulele in there, Paula. Different different from a bass, which you recently learned. (laughs) (laughs) I did recently learn this. They're really cool. We've not played any of their stuff before. but um, So that came in really quick. So we haven't had a chance to really check out... Um, any of their other stuff yet but i but think we I think will to, we will they look fun anyway right so moving swiftly on we're on to track do, 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 song even number nine um and i think that's you kerry isn't is it, it me yeah I'm I'm it's you. yep it's back at you cool well i'm actually talking about what was number five on my most hated list from well costa's most hated list not my most hated list because I actually quite like this song, uh, which is All I Want for Christmas is You by Mariah Carey. They've been talking about that on the radio, just, just, just yeah, I'm vaguely. Gonna, yeah, you're going to go on to that. I'm going to go into okay, why okay. they've been talking about it. Right. She's got this. I got this. <clears throat> so it's, I'm basically just, it's, it's got quite a lot of, um, uh, what's the right word I want for this? I don't Coverage. Know. Yeah, it's pretty crazy what this song has achieved. So it was released in 1994. Uh, and the song has charted every single holiday season since its release 26 years ago. So, wow. it's, so for 20, every year. So 26 years, it's been in the charts every single holiday season. Actually, that doesn't surprise it me, but really, I was actually it? shocking that it's 26 years old. Yeah, so it's really. 26 years old. So it debuted at number five um, and peaked at number two in the UK singles chart when it was first released in 1994. And it had never been number one until right now what it's number one now it is as of uh yeah as of the chart on um the 6th of december so the big top 40 revealed um that it managed to reach the number one spot yeah in the official big top 40 on sunday evening so december the 6th sunday evening so as of right now it is number one for the first time interesting that's wow. crazy that's crazy How mad is that? because it's not even like i mean look it's a great christmas song i really like it it's a lot of fun. It's got that kind of almost like a sort of wall of sound vibe to it. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. But why? But why this year? But that's that's what I was going to say. But why this year? Like, what's happened? Where was it featured? What? Like, why it's is weird, it suddenly? It? Been... I have no idea. But was there know. a massive, massive kind of like Instagram storm when Mariah Carey like puts her post up with her having her Christmas tree up? Maybe. Maybe. I mean, I heard about that this year. I don't know if that's something that happens every year, but I I was definitely aware of it this year. I mean, I'm not like Instagram crazy, so what would but, I know? But... but but to be fair. I, well, actually, I think that the reason that um, it's finally reached number one this year is the shift from the charts kind of being so much about physical sales and even downloads to streaming. Yeah, maybe. Right. I think yeah. that might be why. Um, but the song has won three Guinness World Records. So it was the highest charting holiday song on the Billboard US Hot 100 by a solo artist. Mm-hmm. One record it has. Yeah. Uh, the most weeks in the UK singles top 10 chart for a Christmas song and the most streamed song on Spotify in 24 hours twice. So on Christmas Day in 28, this is where I think this is where it's coming from and why it's happened recently. So on Christmas Day in 2018, uh, it broke the record um, for Spotify's um, like single, you know, most streamed in a single day with 10.82 million plays in 24 hours. Uh, and then it was beat a few months later by Ed Sheeran and Justin Bieber's I Don't Care. But then on Christmas Day 2019, it took back the record with more than 12 million streams. That's just, this is mental. It's crazy, isn't it? It's crazy. I, mean, I might not like it personally, but you can't argue that, can you? <laughs> People like the song. <laughs> you can um, argue. <laughs> yeah. So, and uh, yeah, talking about the magical 15 minute songwriting, this song was apparently also written in 15 minutes. Um, so Mariah Carey co-wrote the hit holiday song with veteran songwriter, and I've just realised I do not know how to pronounce his name, Walter Afanasif. He's got a weird last name. Yeah. Um, who said that basically the speed in which they wrote the, the song is the secret to its success. Um, so Walter apparently, uh, well, not apparently, he did say about the song, uh, it's definitely not Swan Lake. But that's why it's so popular, because it's so simple and palatable. So I think he was actually a little bit unsure about the song when he mm, first yeah. when they first wrote it, because he thought it was too simple. But yeah, I think that's totally why it's so loved and so sort of, you know, it's just easy listening, isn't yeah. it? It's poppy, it's catchy, and that's why people it. love it. Um, so as of 2017, the song was reported to have earned $60 million in royalties. Jesus. God. And it gets more, and I mean, it's getting more popular every year, pretty much. So, I mean, Mariah Carey is just like loving life. Ka-ching! Living off this one song. Mm. <laughs> 60 million. Like, how many families could live off that one how song? Mad is that? <laughs> that's Not crazy. So, yeah, I mean, that's it. I just wanted to talk about it. Just a, it's just mad what it's achieved. Yeah, I mean, but like, it's a great song. I think, I think it's a I fantastic really like Christmas song. I mean, I'm not a fan, but you can't argue with what it's done, can it's, you? I mean, yeah. what, what's the hate about it? It's is happy, it... it's cheerful. I don't yeah. think it's too cheesy. Like, it's sort of... I mean, it's obviously you know, a good... It's a good pop song. Good song, yeah. It's just and not I one of our And I recognise that, but like you said earlier, people have like... Bah, humbug! Yeah, to be fair, oh. you, you've worked in retail, you've got PTSD. Yeah. I think, I reckon, if you consider that, that that song has, like, got most streamed in 24 hours, it's probably, like, most played as well in heavy shops. Heavy rotation. So, exactly, heavy rotation. And it's one you notice as well, because, like, even the intro is so distinctive, isn't it? Right. So, next song, Gracie, I've got you down as doing Ooh. your last one now. Is this my last one? Yeah. It's only a short one, this one. 
Ready? Yeah, ready. Well, so this one is Let It Snow. Let it snow, <laughs> let it like snow. This yeah, it this snow. is one of my favourites. Paula's like showing a big X oh, for it. Yes. No. So this was an, as another oldie, obviously, written in uh, 1945 by lyricist Sammy Khan and Broadway songwriter Jewel Stein. Um, I think Dean Martin's is the best known version. Which yeah, I think I so. I mean, it's been covered a lot, like all Christmas songs mm-hmm. have. But I think his was the... Uh, Michael Bublé. My, obviously, yes. <laughs> the old Bublé comes out every Christmas, doesn't he? He does, he doesn't. Comes out of his cave. <laughs> out of his bauble. Bublé out of the bauble. I've only... Oh, oh Paula, that's so bad. I'm loving that. It's not, it's not good when I barely laughed, you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm having a jolly old time over here, don't worry. So I've only, I've only got a couple of facts about this one. So this was written in a hot Hollywood office. In fact, it turned out to be the hottest day of the year. Proud of yourself for that one. I am very proud of but myself. But can I just say that's a common theme? They're all like, oh, it was a scorching day in July. They're all, yeah. written, they're, in they're all written in summer, yeah. yeah. And they all took 15 minutes. All written in summer in 15 minutes. <laughs> so if you're, if you're failing to write a Christmas song, it's because you're not writing it in summer in 15 minutes. Yep, there you go. So Sammy uh, Khan, the uh, the lyricist, said to Jules Stein, why don't we go down to the beach and call off? And apparently he replied, no, why don't we stay here and write a winter song? And then went to the typewriter and smashed out Let It Snow, probably in 15 minutes. Why um, not? <laughs> and it wasn't actually intended to be a Christmas song. Um, it's wait, hold on. Let it snow. <laughs> yeah, That's no. a load of shit, isn't it? So right, let it if snow, you listen to let the, it snow and snow. If you listen to the song, like... There is no mention of Christmas or anything to do with Christmas whatsoever in the entire right, so song. It's a, it's a winter song. So it's meant to be a song. winter song. But I mean, a winter song is always going to be a Christmas song. So it's meant to be about making the most of a snowy day. Unless you live in like Australia or New Zealand because it's mm. summer there. Let's Christmas. let two keys continue here. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't got much more left. So it's about making the most of a snowy day by spending it with a loved one by the fire. Aww. So have a listen. There's no mention of Christmas. I believe you. I don't have to like fact check you. But uh, yeah, so obviously it's now associated with Christmas, and it's one of the the most popular Christmas songs. That's yeah, me done. <laughs> know what Christmas song I like? Have you heard Nora Jones December? No, I don't think I, don't I have. Think so it's so cute. It's but really lovely. She's brilliant, though, isn't she? December. It's so sweet. I love I'm it. Making myself a note to go home and listen. <laughs> no, you're not. Or are you? Yeah. <gasps> Maybe I, I'll make you a Christmas list, I, Kerry. I don't remember shit if I don't write it down. So. Oh, it's, re- it's really cute. It's really nice. Really lovely song. I've already forgotten what it was. What is it? It's Nora called Jones, December, December and it's by Nora Jones. Can I go for a Cheers. Wee? Yeah, you can go for oh, a wee. Oh, God. We'll edit that out. Or maybe we'll bring I the mean, mics yeah. closer to the toilet. <laughs> Back in a moment, listeners. <laughs> Okay, now Gracie's back from doing a poo. Um, We're going to do our final song. And I don't think any Christmas list, uh, Christmas playlist of Christmas songs is complete without without this song. Um, I'm going to talk about the Pogues fairy tale. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Had to to feature. I know it's an obvious one. But anyway, it's, it's, you know, this song is still seen as one of the greatest Christmas songs of all time. But, you know... By some, I suppose. 
by quite a lot of people, by by pretty much a lot of people. But some people also find it a really offensive song Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, something that's rubbish due to some of the lyrics, which I talk... a key issue this year, right? It's a key issue every year, actually, for the past few few years. No, I'm going to tell you a bit bit about that. It was definitely a huge deal a few years ago. Now, it's not a Christmas song in the traditional sense. There are no sleigh rides or snuggling up to roast chestnuts by an open fire. It's a Christmas song about lost youth and ruined dreams. It's actually an anti-Christmas song filled with regrets, and perhaps that's why so many of us like it, That's what I was going to say. I think that's why people like it so much, because it's not cheesy, it's not the usual tropes. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it was originally released in 1987, um, and it already re-entered the top 20 every December since 2005 so it's kind of around every every yeah. single year basically it's still you know like Mariah, so Mariah obviously not exactly, as, yeah. it's it's one of those classic For ones sure. that just keeps coming up did you know that the singer McGowan was born on Christmas Day yeah destined destined to write a successful exactly. Christmas song so setting out to write a Christmas song they first tried writing about a sailor missing his wife but the band member Finer's wife said it was too corny and suggested the idea of a couple falling on hard times. The lyrics took a while to nail and um, it said that um, McGowan said that it's basically by far the most complicated song that he's ever had to write um, or even attempted to write. So, um, so how did the song get its name? The idea of the song had been sort of something that had been playing around and it actually took two years to write this song, by the way. Oh, so wow. not for a long minutes. time. But there were lots of things that kind of influenced it over time. One of them was the band liked watching the film Once Upon a Time in America on tour. Like it was just something that they they watched a number of times and they felt that Once Upon a Time was how lots of stories started, especially fairy tales, and they quite liked that kind of concept of it. But it was suggested that when they'd written the song that it was called Christmas Day in the Drunk Tank, um, which is, you know, some of the lyrics from the song. Um, But that got like a massive thumbs down as in that is never going to be a hit, you know, with a song like that. And so Fina was reading J.P. Donnelly's um, 1973 novel, A Fairy Tale of New York. Um, and it's a sort of story of a bereaved Irish American's return, like sort of return home from Ireland to Manhattan. And McGowan later visited the novel and um, really liked it, and then asked for the novelist's sort of blessing to borrow the title, which he was given. That's really so nice that he did that. Yeah. Mm. So that's that's how the the song title came came about. And I so, always think how good the title is. It's such a good title. Fairy Tale New Well, because the thing is, they also took the concept that what they were singing about was, you know, this relationship, that when they'd first met, it was this beautiful thing. It was a moment they fell yeah, in love, which was supposed to be a fairy, fairy tale. tale. Yeah. That sort of, but fairy tales aren't real, are they? And the yeah. reality bites. The same with Christmas. So it was like mm-hmm. an yeah, anti-Christmas. Sure. It was trying to kind of shatter that thing of... Christmas is supposed to be this magical thing, and actually, for a lot of people, it it, it really yeah, isn't. Yeah, yeah. Um, I always thought it was telling the story of a Irish immigrant couple that have moved to New York. That's what I well, always assumed sense, about yeah, it. Yeah. Well, it well it is a bit of a play on that. It's based in like New York in 1940, but I'll, I'll talk a bit more about that Sorry. at the moment. So, so Cato Reardon had left the band in October 1986, so they needed someone to sing the duet. And uh, what names do you think were suggested? What did McGowan go, I reckon they'd be good at it? Female singer, obviously. In what era? 
Well, this is the 80s, 80s. Rock bands, 80s women. You can say I haven't got a fucking clue. I haven't got a fucking clue. But, okay. Chrissy Hind. Susie Cottrell. Okay. Yeah, but they didn't actually ask them. It was just, like, suggested. Um, But then the producer, Steve Lillywhite, suggested Kirsty McCall, who was a solo artist, but also his wife. And, I might add, she was a Croydon girl. She went to Park Hill School, which is just... Actually, I won't say where it is, because, you know, if I've got a stalker listening, they'll work (laughs) out where I live. Um, Anyway, yes, so, yeah, went to Park Hill School. So back to the uh, sort of offensive nature of the song, and I'm nearly finished on on this one. So BBC's radio solvents Alex Dyke tweeted that he wasn't comfortable with the song's lyrics, which include Pogue's um, frontman Shane McGowan calling McCall an old slut and junk, basically, and McCall calling him in return a cheap, lousy faggot. And I apologise, listeners, for saying those offensive words. It's just I think you know the context. You need to know what they are. Yeah. Um, so the tweet, which has since been deleted, said, Radio, let's ban fairy tale in New York this Christmas. You're a slut on junk, you scumbag, cheap, lousy faggot. This is what we want our kids singing back to us in the car. You know, or something like that was yeah. the tweet. So he was sort of enraged about it. And in 2017, McGowan defended the track's use of the word faggot, writing in a statement, the word was used by the character because it fitted with the way she would speak with her character. She is not supposed to be a nice person or even a wholesome person. She is a woman of a certain generation at a certain time in history, and she is down on her luck and desperate. The song is not meant to offend anyone. It's 1940, this is how people... Anyway, the fact is you're writing a song, you've got a level of responsibility, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Anyway, the BBC didn't ban the song, but they did ban the words um, faggot and slut, and rightfully so. And they do play the song, but it's a censored... Sure. Mm -hmm. It's a censored version of it. Um, So, yeah, so that was back in 2017. There was a huge um, kind of media coverage of, of the whole sort of BBC kind of outcry for it to be banned and, and stuff like that. I know and they so, got, yeah. didn't they get in trouble again because on Gavin and Stacey, um, yes. two of the characters yeah, sang yeah. the song and didn't, they didn't cut the words. No, they didn't, that's out. right. Yeah, I yeah. remember that. When was that one? That, that wasn't was that long year, ago. That was cut yeah. maybe two years maybe ago. Yeah, year. or even last year, yeah. But but that's the thing. I think, I think a lot of, look, I'm, I'm not saying you should keep those words in, but I think a lot of people do sing those songs and they don't think about what they're singing, but that's the dangerous thing about it, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it's a tough one, yeah. isn't it? I sort of feel like I see both sides of it. I think that playing a censored version is the right solution, yeah. personally, yeah. because I think it, it's a great song and I don't think that any offence was intended with it. And, you know, I don't no. think that as writers of, of that song, they have any, like, homophobic views or, you know, I don't think that that's the issue, but I think the issue is people singing that without understanding what they're singing, right? And so that's why I think playing a censored yeah. version is what makes sense. As the yeah, because I, I've yeah. never been on the receiving end of the F word, right? Mm, so it's yeah. like, I don't know how it feels to receive that. Yeah. So let's ban it because you don't know what that might trigger in people but, for but them I, to hear that. And I think we talked about this the other day. I remember being at uni um, and people were still using the term going, oh, that's so gay, Yeah, right? Like gay's, yeah, I can remember. Like, gay's I can, shit, I'm right? pretty sure I can remember and saying being that being a lesbian, school, yeah. That is that is really offensive. And whenever you would say, as in, can you not say it? It's like you were like the party pooper, the person mm. taking offence over something that's not offensive. 
but but it is. And yeah. having those words in that song and having them played out and accepted to just still be there means that you're saying that that's acceptable. So I can completely understand yeah, why they're, yeah, they're, they're removed. They're not, the song's not banned. It's no, I mean just the like words, censored. Not, the, yeah. not yeah, the song, yeah. but the word. Anyway, so in 2005, the song was re-released. All proceeds were donated towards a mixture of homeless charities and justice for Kirsty Because that was the campaign to find out what really happened around her death. And for those that don't know, Kirsty McCall was on holiday in Mexico in the sea with her children when she was hit by a speedboat and killed. And there's a bit of suspicion around the case. Oh, to find the, the I, I assume that everyone just thought that's what well, happened. Well, I mean, I don't have all the details, but the basically the suspicion is around it was a very influential, rich businessman's boat who was out there having a jolly. Um but someone else said they were driving. So was that other person driving or was it the businessman um, who just got paid to take the sort of rap for it? But the person who did say it was was them who did it, um, they only got let off with... They got let off with a fine, basically. So it's it's all a little bit bizarre. And I don't, I don't have the full case details, obviously, but that's the gist of it. But, uh, yeah, that... That's the end of my story, really. That's all I've got to say. That was the Pogues fairy tale in New York. Very good. I like the Shane McGowan born on Christmas Day fact. Yeah, very good. Did not know that it, one. I find it. I was so Shane McGowan born on Christmas Day with a Christmas hit, and George Michael died on Christmas Day with, with a Christmas, Christmas hit. hit. Yeah, good recap. Birth there, and a death. Well something, remembered. something to it. Well done, Keza. Are we going to have some new music to finish up then? Oh, I think we are. So we're just going to say Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Yes. Merry Christmas. Or season's greetings, if you don't say Merry Christmas or whatever, or, you know, wrap up warm stuff. Feliz Navidad. I want to wish you a Merry Christmas. Any, anyone got any other <laughs> languages? I'm trying to think. Not really. No. No. Happy Hanukkah. Yeah. Yeah, we could, we, could say, we could spend all night well, doing what this. What I've learned is we don't have a great grasp of languages, so let's carry yes, on. So let's carry on. Now, I just want to say thank you for everyone who's been listening to, you know, from the start to now, all those that have joined us halfway through or whenever, 40 episodes, guys, that's that's legendary. Like, we didn't think we'd ever be podcasters. I cannot believe that we've kept this up. For 40 episodes. 40 episodes. It's it's incredible. And that's like season one completed. And we would definitely be back in January with more tales from the world of music, loads more exciting guests, loads of new music, all of that jazz. So I guess all that's to say is we've got one final track to play, which is by a band that we've played previously. And it's a Christmas song that they've literally just written. And uh, there's a bit of a argument on how you pronounce this name, right? <laughs> I think it's potpourri, right? I think you're wrong. I think you're I wrong. I think you're wrong. Or potpourri. No. Is that what you're saying? I think potpourri. 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 Yeah. That's potpourri what... or potpourri. No, I've heard... Potpourri. 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 <laughs> I don't care, right? They're a great band. They're a great band and maybe we'll, we'll get them to just dial in and just say their yeah, band name. Yeah, they need to send time. us a voice note of how to pronounce their yeah. band name. Anyway, they've put together quite a cool song for, for Christmas. It's a little bit different to the other tracks you've heard tonight. It's called Modern Girls, and the proceeds from the track go to two incredible charities, Say It's Sheffield and Burngrave Food Bank. So please go to Bandcamp and buy it or wherever you buy your music. So uh, should we give it a whirl, girls? Mm-hmm. 